allow yourself some time then to grieve, you know, if you need to sit and you need to cry, that's, those are, those are real emotions, but feel those emotions and then, and then watch them leave because emotions are happiness, sadness, they're all temporary, but feel those emotions and then do something for yourself to make yourself feel better. And you can take yourself to a place where you are experiencing a little bit more happiness by focusing your thoughts on things that are more positive. I'm Jamie Mo Crazy, and you're listening to Life Gets Mo Crazy, where we'll hear from people who either been through a trauma or helped someone else through it. Listen and learn strategies you can implement in your life so when a metaphorical avalanche slides you down the mountain of life, you can climb an alternative peak with the best view. I am here today with Deborah Koval Fletcher. She's an adult educator, speaker, and mom of twin daughters. And she also works as a realtor, which helps to support her obsession with snooping through other people's homes. (laughs) So what we're here to talk with her about is how, as a busy mom, she could be an advocate for her daughter who lives with multiple disabilities. And so she found the time to jot down stories, lessons learned, and observations in a book, Finding Your Hey, which is what we are going to talk about, which goes into what it's like to be a family caregiver and how do you balance that and have a loved one who has changes in ability level. So Deborah, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so excited to talk with you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited too. Yeah. So the first thing we're going to talk about is your story. And why don't you share a little bit about you? Well, I was uh, happily married and we decided to have a family. And so I was pregnant and I went to the first ultrasound and the technician said, did your doctor say anything to you about twins? And I said, no. And she said, well, there are two in there. So that was a bit of a shock. And so we were just so excited. And it was really kind of amazing that, you know, you're walking around. And I I remember saying to my, my husband at the time, I said, you know, don't get freaked out, but there are two people living in my body right now. Like it was just, I mean, it's, I know everybody does it, but it's just so weird, right? So anyway, I, um, we were very excited, of course. Um, and then they decided to come early. So they were born at 30 weeks, which is pretty early. They were pretty small, as you can imagine. Um, and one was smaller than the other one. Um, even though they are identical twins, because they were actually joined by blood vessels. The egg had separated later. And so one of them was pushing blood to the other one. So one of them, subsequently, we learned after they were born, 
with premature babies, they do, or they did ultrasounds on the brain. And so we learned when they were three and a half weeks old, that one of them did have a brain injury and there was, which had happened most likely during the birth. And so they said that she would have disabilities around motor development, but they didn't know, of course, what the extent would be. So we were quite devastated because, you know, at that point, it was just pure fear that we were operating on, you know, the future was now uncertain. Yeah. And the, and the crazy thing is you're just going along with life. And then in one day, you find out that your life is going to be completely different. And all of a sudden, you have all these responsibilities thrown at you and you don't even know what they are. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's exactly it, Jamie. You just hit the nail on the head. And that's the thing. I knew that there would be challenges, but I didn't know what they were. And because I'd never experienced it before, I mean, your brain is an amazing thing and your your brain just automatically goes into, you know, that fight, flight or freeze mode. And so it was just lots of emotions. And, you know, the emotions were in part grief because I was grieving for a child that I wasn't sure would be happy and healthy and all the things that you want for your child, right? So when they were born, you know, in Canada, we had a six-month maternity leave that mothers are granted and the government subsidizes your pay. So I had said to my employer, I, you know, had a full-time job, which I loved. And I had said, you know, I'm taking the six-month maternity leave. And then after her diagnosis and after they were able to come home and then all of these medical appointments and interventions started. And at this point, we didn't know if she would be, you know, slightly disabled or what the disability would be, you know, would she walk with a limp? Like we absolutely didn't know. And and nobody really sort of gave us a prognosis because they couldn't. So when they were six months old, we went for a test at a local children's hospital here and they did all the tests and they said, okay, she is severely disabled. And at that point, we were pretty um, shocked, actually. We were in shock for a long time because we didn't, again, we didn't know what that meant. And, and it sort of, we had been hopeful that maybe it would be something mild, but it was in fact severe disability. And because she was then starting to do occupational therapy and physiotherapy and, and you know, medical appointments all the time, I couldn't go back to work. So I said, okay, can I take another six months of unpaid leave, they say, yep, we'll hold your job for you. And then at the at the year mark, um, when they were a year, year old, I was still in the thick of it all and had to give up my job and the career that I thought I would have to be a full-time caregiver for her and for, you know, for her sister too. <laughs> I had two babies. So giving up my job and my career was sort of one little aspect of the the change that I felt. And, you know, as you sort of alluded to, it's all about when your expectations of what you thought your life would be, or what you thought this experience would be, are completely thrown out the window. You know, that's, I think, as human beings that we don't do, do so well with that. You know, so you experience the fear and the grief and the uncertainty. And so that's where I was at that point. 
Yeah. So you've written a story about this. So let's talk a little bit about the book. So they are, my girls are now 23. A few years ago, I started thinking about, okay, how did I sort of bounce back from being so grief stricken and, um, and through the difficulty and the challenges to become this, you know, very happy, positive, optimistic person and in this state of being able to experience joy and gratitude and all of that, how did I get here? So I sort of backtracked. And at that time, I really looked to my dad through the journey I had with my daughters, because when I was younger, I was only about 21, he experienced a heart attack and then a stroke. And then he survived and he was only 46, but he lost his speech. He lost his short-term memory and his mental processing was never really the same again. And so he had to give up his career at 46. And he eventually got his speech back because again, the brain is an amazing thing. So I watched him as we all did you know, go through what he would have gone through, which would have been tremendous grief, you know, knowing he wasn't the man he used to be having to give up his career, you know, all his friends were still going to work every day and, and accomplishing things. And he wasn't able to do that. And yet he maintained this attitude of positivity and happiness. And so he was a real inspiration to me. And actually, the title of my book, Finding Your Hay, really comes from him because he had the heart attack and the stroke nine days apart. He was still in the hospital for having a heart attack when he had the stroke. So the first time I visited him in the hospital after his stroke, I remember I was walking down the hall toward his hospital room and all of a sudden he jumped out of his room into the hallway in front of me and just went like this. Hey, and it was honestly, it was the only word that I could understand him say our entire visit. And to me, you know, he was saying, it's okay. I'm going to be okay. You know, it was sort of to reassure me. And it really sort of epitomized for me, his attitude, you know, in the face of his own tremendous grief. And I remember when I was going through my experience with my daughter thinking, okay, I got to find my hay, you know, I got to find that purpose and attitude and, and ability to experience joy and, and everything else. And so my, my book is called finding your hay. And I, I interviewed four of my friends who went through completely different grief journeys. You know, one lost her brother to suicide One she had four pregnancies and one of her babies was born and then passed away. And so it has a grave, you know, she's still a mom, but uh, anyway, so her story as well. And, and I integrated all of their stories with mine and then, and then their stories of finding joy and resilience and, and all of that. And so that's what the book is all about. So what would be your biggest uh, tip to someone who just became a family caregiver and they're feeling really overwhelmed and stressed? Wow, the biggest tip. So it would be to find the joy in the tiny moments. Um, you know, when we 
you know, when you're little and you, and you know, there's, there's all those Disney movies and you think that you live happily ever after you sort of life is sort of this, this progression to this permanent state of happiness. Well, we all know it. it's not life really is. It's always going to throw stuff at you that you, you know, you didn't expect and that maybe not so great, but if you can find those small moments of joy and laughter and gratitude, just those little moments, that's what really gets me through. I, I agree with you. I think we do way too little of paying attention and recognizing the little things that are genuine. Like, yes, um, if we're having this talk on, on through the internet, that means that I have a roof over my head. That means that I have internet in my house. That means I have a computer to talk to you on. And those are very important, great things. But if you just write that every day, like, I'm grateful that I have a roof over my head, it's much less meaningful than if you say, I'm grateful for the way that my dog is lying on the couch with her head on the pillow and she looks so cute. Yes. And it's about looking for them too, because, you know, we go through life without noticing. And so we can do that for ourselves. We can consciously notice the tiny little amazing things that happen. Right. So that's, I think the key as well, that we have to, we have to intentionally notice them. And I think that's so important because when you really are paying attention to those little things, all of a sudden there's so many more wonderful, extravagant, little tiny things that you wouldn't notice unless you take the effort to force yourself to notice. Right. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yes, very true. You know, and so much can be changed with just our mindset. And I know, you know, there's a lot of talk out there about that as well, but this is what this is how to practically, you know, on a very practical level, do it. And, uh, you know, we have to change our thinking, you know. And I remember early on, and I, I think this is probably a common thought that we have when something really bad happens, you know. We think, why me? And in my case, I was thinking, why me? Why her? You know, why did this happen to my baby? And eventually, I just sort of, turned that around. And I thought, well, why not me? Why not her? You know, things happen. And good things happen to good people, but bad things happen to good people as well. You know, it's just, it's just life. And so when I sort of changed my perspective on it, it takes you out of that sort of feeling sorry for yourself or, or feeling like a victim to one of, you know, acceptance and okay, this happened, but it's not going to define who I am or define the rest of my life in terms of, you know, how happy I can be. And it's, but it's, it takes that conscious, intentional thought and, you know, it takes practice. You know, it's not just about always trying to look on the bright side or, or always trying to think positively. It's just about, reframing, I think, you know, in, in a sense, and making a decision that, sure, there are times when you're going to be sad. And there's times when you're going to feel like you're, you know, missing out on something, but allow yourself some time then to grieve, you know, if you need to sit and you need to cry, that's, 
those are those are real emotions but feel those emotions and then and then watch them leave because emotions are happiness sadness they're all temporary um but feel those emotions and then do something for yourself to make yourself feel better and you can take yourself to a place where you are experiencing a little bit more happiness by focusing your thoughts on things that are more positive, you know, or even making yourself laugh, you know, watching a funny YouTube video or doing something like that, because you need to give yourself that break. And, you know, your brain is a funny thing. It's pretty simple in a lot of respects. You can put yourself in a bad mood or you can put yourself in a good mood just by the thoughts that you think. So it's, um, it's, it is tough when you are grieving and you are in a challenging situation, you have to go through those negative feelings, but make sure that you also inject some positive feelings into your day as well and, and do it purposefully. And then, you know, that's, what's going to get you through. Yeah. And I think that question, what you said at the beginning is everyone asks himself, why me? That's, that's such a common for any type of trauma that happens in your life. It's like, why me? Um, and one of the things that I've learned with all of my traumatic brain injury advocacy and um, my motivational speaking is I'll go to corporate events and people will open up and tell me about traumas in their life that their company had no idea about. Um, quite often that happens. Uh, everybody opens up. And so the thing is, is that it happens to a lot more people than you think. And it's it's hard because we we tend to judge ourselves against other people. Like, why did this happen to me? And I know this feeling because my sister passed away from cancer last year. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. It was really, really hard and it's still hard. And the thing is, is that at the beginning, I would keep asking myself, why did this happen to me? And I, I interview so many intelligent people and, and I do so much about mindset that I know that you're not supposed to say, why is this me? Because it's not like someone is making intellectual decisions, rational decisions, being like, well, let's do it. for It, it just happens. But we can't answer why did this happen to us. All we can do is just keep going and notice the little things. And anyone in our life, like if we've experienced a death trauma, the person who died would want us to be happy and want us to keep going and 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 see those little moments of joy. They would, yes. So it's just it's a really really hard concept. And even if you know you're not supposed to question yourself, you still are like, well, but really, why did this happen? I know it's so it's it's as human beings, we naturally ask the question, like you say, and it's just about consciously turning that around. And, you know, with grief, it's just something that we carry with us forever. And I don't mean that in a melodramatic way. You don't get over grief. You know, you get through it and it changes you and you carry it with you and it becomes easier to carry, it becomes a part of you and a part of who you are. And so there is no cure to to feeling grief or to feeling those expectations that haven't been, been met. You know, 
it's you're never going to be able to bring that person back or your life is never going back to the way it was. But it's just about learning the skills that you can learn to be able to carry that grief and to be able to make it something that doesn't impact your life in a negative way, you know, for forever. It is something that, you know, we should all sort of learn these skills when we're growing up, but we don't. It's something that we have to kind of experience and just look to other people who've gone through the same thing and find ways to help ourselves. Yeah, you have so much incredible insights. Is that why you decided to write the book? It is partly that I thought, you know what, I could possibly help other people. It's also that I just love telling stories. I mean, I'm a storyteller just by nature and and I like to tell funny stories. It's just something, it's how I grew up. And, you know, part of my own resilience was turning some stories that were challenging, maybe negative things that happened to me and turning them into sort of comical stories when I told someone else. And it's not just that I was, you know, sort of delusional. It's more that I was naturally reframing it to be a funny story, to be able to carry it with me. And I've done that my whole life. And so I had all these stories and I, you know, felt like I wanted to help other moms, other caregivers, and just other people in the world. So when I interviewed these four friends, they've all got very different grief stories. So it was more about understanding, you know what, everybody experiences grief or unmet expectations at some point in their lives. And and maybe reading something like this would help. And I also wrote it so that my daughters would have this almost you know, record of, of what it was like to be their mom. And, you know, it's sort of a gift to them as well. So if people are listening to this podcast and they go, Ooh, that book sounds so interesting. How do they buy it? They can buy it on Amazon. So you can search for finding your hay. I also have a stash, you know, in one of my closets, but you don't have to come to my house in Toronto to pick it up. You can order it for yourself on Amazon. And do you have any last words of wisdom that you would like to leave someone who just became a family caregiver? Oh my gosh. You know, the first thing I would, I would say would be, hey, we're all in this together. You know, there is support out there. There are people who have gone through it and reach out and and there will be people who will support you. Yeah, so they can reach out to, to anyone close to them. They can reach out to you. They can reach out to mocrazystrong.org. Um, we actually do a lot of peer-to-peer guiding for traumatic brain injury survivors and traumatic brain injury family caregivers because there isn't really a roadmap of where to go, what to do. There's opportunities, but people feel lost and overwhelmed so much that they might not even open that book that they were given that shows them the opportunities for recovery. Yeah, there's, you know, and there's support groups for all different kinds of of grieving or, or challenges. And they're really, there's a lot out there on social media. And there's more than there would have been, you know, 30, 40 years ago when this 
people didn't really talk about what they were going through and sharing. And so there is a lot of, of support out there. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in to listen to Life Gets Mo Crazy. I hope you learned some new ways to climb an alternative peak after an unexpected trauma by listening to this episode. If you loved it, which I really hope you did, please subscribe to the podcast and share with your family and friends. If you would like to follow my Mo Crazy Life, well, you can find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, or my Facebook accounts at Jamie Mo Crazy or hashtag Mo Crazy Strong. So stay tuned for our next episode. Each episode is the last Friday of each month. And in every episode, you will learn something special and something new on how to climb an alternative peak. So thanks again for tuning in and go have a mo crazy life until we talk again. Bye.